Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Uh, Turn to Revelation chapter 4. And uh, I just wanted to explain, actually before you go there, just go back to that scripture we showed at the very beginning of the service. I just wanted to make one more point here. Or so, and First Peter chapter two, verse I think it was what thirteen and fourteen, or fourteen and fifteen. First Peter two, that's those two scriptures. Thank you. First Peter chapter two, verse thirteen and fourteen. I just wanted to read this again to you because we're living in a time right now where we're being confronted with scriptures and things that are coming from our government and trying to sort it all out and figure out what should we do, what should we not do. You know, well, it, here's what made it real simple for me. When I heard about the mask uh, mandate, I actually, I didn't want to do it. I I said, nah, I'd much rather breathe fresh air, and if I had a virus, I'd know it, and and all this stuff. And and then I read this scripture, and I said, Lord, is there something I need to be open to? You know, do I need to put part of me aside for a second and be a little open to something here? Because why in the world would you say submit if it was easy? And I, Rachel taught a message on uh, superheroes on Wednesday. It was so good to the youth and how we are all superheroes because we can do everything they can do. If you read the scriptures, move mountains, tell the sun to stand still, raise the dead, right? I mean, we're superheroes. Um, but she was talking about how bad it was in Bible days when you know, Jesus walked the earth and Peter walked. And there were terrible things going on from leadership and government. Awful stuff. I mean, way more awful than what's going on today. And yet we read scriptures like this from the same era. And I thought, wow, they're telling them back then to submit to people who are not very nice. They were not very nice people. And I'm sure they drew the line when it said, you know, now if they tell you you can't be a Christian, I guess you die saying I'm a Christian. You know, heaven two seconds later, it's just like you fall asleep. No sting and death for the believer, right? So, but... But that line, I haven't seen that line yet. I hope we never do. But I really kind of sense right now we all just need to examine our insides and see where we're at in the submission area and where we're at in the, that's where I draw the line area. And as a pastor, I just feel responsible to, to say some of these things because I've been, I've been a pastor for 33 years, plus I'm anointed from the Lord to help you through times like this. There's an answer. Number one, I feel in my spirit, it's not that big a deal. Right. Um, there's all kinds of ordinances we operate in. Uh, hair nets at work or, or whatever, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things you do that make you look silly or don't feel right. It's just part of the life. And, and there really is a virus. I don't know if people knew this, but there really is a virus out there. It may not be as bad as some of us think it is, but we've got some church friends in Boise. It's spiked there. These are rhema people. They, they've had some spikes up there and just recently, last week. And I thought, Really? And it kind of woke me. So there's really something going on. We're not, this is not just to you know, prove who's more powerful. There may be some weird motives. I don't know. That's between them and God. But this scripture here is in the Bible, New Testament. And you've got to remember, he's talking about submitting to non-Christian leaders here. 
Submit yourselves to every ordinance. Everybody say every. Ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. For whose sake? For the Lord's sake. Okay, now, if you love Jesus, you love this. Are you following me? I mean, if you, if you love the Lord, you love all his word. You say, well, pastor, you're misinterpreting that. I'm open. Send me a letter. I'd like to learn. <laughs> Enlighten me, please. But as I was reading this, I was thinking, Lord, I don't want to do this, but I do want to love you. And I do want to do things for you. It's almost like, how do you know if you're really committed or submitted until you're severely tempted to not be submitted or committed? You wouldn't use the word submit. You just say, agree with your uh, every ordinance of man. Just agree with every. He's not saying I'm glad he didn't say that. Because I ain't going to agree with every ordinance of man. I'm glad he said submit. This is an opportunity to prove where we're at with the Lord. Now, I'll be the first one in line to say no to a law when it tells me I can't be a Christian. Are they threatening me? Are they telling me I can't worship God? Yeah, but pastor, this is the beginning stages of it. You know what it's going to lead to? Not in my life. And in my life, this, I don't draw the line yet. This is not that. I think the enemy's trying to push us into something prematurely to get us messed up, blow our witness, shut the door from being able to minister to some of these people. With our good works, we silence the foolishness of many. Our good works. And you just have to realize Christian, Christianity is not about doing everything you feel like doing or doing everything you want to do. Christianity is about taking orders really well. Jesus is our what? No, no, he's our Savior. If we get in trouble, we run to him, then I can live however I want, right? No, he's our Lord. You just, you can even see it in the word. Titus talks about these. Actually, Titus is stronger than this. Jude talks about this. We don't want two or three witnesses. Jesus talks about this in government authorities. Pontius Pilate was not a good guy. He murdered a bunch of people one day in cold blood just because they went to worship. And yet we still see scriptures like this. And we know they're not saying submit in those areas, but they're saying submit in these areas of reason. Laws that are in the land that they feel are more... You know, I, I wonder sometimes how long we'd last if we were in the governor's shoes. Now, I tell you this right now. I don't know anybody on this planet that would last in what President Trump's going through. The man's made of steel. <laughs> I believe we needed a man made of steel for these hours. We didn't need no president being so flaky. He's out. Of, you know, I'm just, whoa, confused. We don't need any more confusion. We need a tough general. But, and you know, whether I agree with everything he does or not, I'm thankful that he's there and I'm praying for him. So put it back up on the screen. And I know some of you don't want to hear this right now, but you know what? It, we, we can't just hide under the rug and, and submit yourselves so they're not going to make us do this. You have to do it yourself. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for, not even for your sake. See, it's not all about us. For the Lord's sake. I think we need to get I out of the sentence and put God in the sentence. What does God want us to do? For the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme 
Next verse. Or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So I just want everybody to just realize there's going to come times in our life where we're going to be told to do things that we're not going to want to do. Either church leaders, God himself, the Bible, a government leader. There's going to be times. And then you're going to have to go back to the scriptures for yourself and ask yourself, do you have light on this? Do you understand this? And if we do, it's real simple to me. I'm putting on a mask if I need to, but if I feel a little bit short of breath, I'm taking it off. Because the mandate says that too. If there's any health issues at all, I'm not going to wear one. But other than that, I think it's just an interesting time right now because nobody wants to wear a mask. We got that settled, right? Nobody wants to wear a mask. I mean, most people only wear one because they need to. But when an ordinance like this comes forth, what do you do when you got scriptures like that? I'm not going to go to all those scriptures right now. That's not my message, but I wanted to at least address that a little bit more in detail because the, who said it was always going to be easy? <laughs> right? Who said it was? The, the Bible does teach take up your cross and follow him. And um, the Lord did things at times for the government that I'm sure, you know, he paid taxes, right? And <laughs> he abided by certain laws. And so, anyway, turn to Roman, uh, Revelation chapter 4 now. I just wanted to make that a little bit more clear because I don't want you to think that. We're caving into the dark side. We're not caving into the dark side. We're doing what Peter talked about, what Titus talked about, what Jude talked about, what Paul talked about, and what Jesus talked about. And so we just, if you don't have light on that yet, just keep reading the scriptures. Don't worry about a thing. Nobody's going to be condemned for anything. Nobody's going to be looked down. Matter of fact, if you don't wear a mask, HIPAA says we can't even ask you why. It's just, you know, if, it, if it's a health reason, that's between you and, and whoever else it would be between. But um, we're not going to ask you why you're not wearing a mask. We just trust you're, you're doing what, you're, what you believe is the right thing to do. Amen. Um, praise the Lord. We're not going to have any bouncers at the door. <laughs> now, I did, go, I did go to a store when we were in our vacation in Summerland. I did go into a store, and there was like this big bouncer at the door saying, you got a mask? I said, no. He said, you can't come in. I said, okay. I just walked away. I didn't have a mask is why, and I really didn't need to go in that bad. But um. So Revelation chapter 4. So everybody say, no bouncers. <laughs> okay. Revelation 4. Um, and we will, you know, we're actually right now in a series on Wednesday nights. We're discussing some of the things that we're just, I just got done mentioning with you entitled Honoring God More. And it entails some of the things we've been talking about just right now. Um, honor is doing something that you don't agree with. Um, it's not just agreeing. It's actually staying obedient when you don't agree. So... Sure, it's quiet in this Holy Ghost church. <laughs> Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. They are singing in heaven. John picked up on it. And he said he heard them saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you, God, have created all things. 
and for your pleasure they are and were created. Now, for those of you that don't realize this, you were created <laughs> okay, by God. Our great-great-grandma and grandpa, they, Adam and Eve, they were told by God to be fruitful and multiply and start a family for God. And this scripture right here says, can you keep it up on the screen, please? It says, you and I were created because it pleased God that we were with him and by his side forever. Don't ever let any words of the past, whether it be a parent or a teacher or a sibling, or who, don't let any words of the past that, that, that have been negative and detrimental to yourself, or don't let those control you any longer because it's not what they say that matters. It's what you just read here that matters. You are here because God, the creator of the universe, was pleased to have you here by his side forever. You are important. You are valuable. You have meaning. You have purpose. God wanted you here. That should right there eliminate all depression and all inferiority in your heart. You're here because God wanted you here. And you're here because he was pleased for his pleasure. You, he's, you're not just an extra. Okay, You are a blessing to the Lord. I know some people may not feel the same way, but they're not God. So why put too much stock in that? Your creator wanted you here. And it doesn't even matter how you got here. You got here through the principle of be fruitful and multiply. It doesn't matter how you got here in the natural. What matters is you're here because God wanted you here. You're needed, you're wanted, you're loved. And your purpose for being is he's pleased that you're here with him. How many think it's awesome to know why you're here? I'm here to please God. And let me tell you what pleases God. It pleases God that you're satisfied doing what he wants you to do. It pleases God that you are satisfied living the way he wants you to live. That's how we bring glory to the Lord, by doing the things he's told us to do with joy. He's pleased. And the only reason he wants us to do things is because he's been around longer than us and he knows the best path for our life. All right? He knows what's really going to fulfill us. And a lot of times it's not what we think would be fulfilling. It's what he says would be fulfilling. So um, one more thing I wanted to say about that. What was that, Lord? We're here to please him. So our reason for being is to please God. I'm pleased that he's here. But what's our reason for living? Now we know why we're here, because it pleased God to have us next to him. But now what does he want us to do? Anybody interested in that? Herein is the title of our series. What are you doing here? Hopefully you can answer that question. You know, maybe we ought to do this. Maybe we ought to ask somebody that we love, either a loved one or a friend, Ask them, what do you perceive as the driving force of my life? Carla, what do, you, what do you perceive as the driving force of my life? Nikki, what do you perceive as the driving force of my life? Sean, what, what do you perceive? You've been around me a lot. What do you perceive is the driving force? I, I, I hope it's not me. 
Well, Bjorn, it looks like you're the driving force of your life. You're always doing what you want to do, not doing what you don't want to do, doing what you feel like. <laughs> My purpose is off course if that's the answer. I would hope I would hope it'd be something like, I don't want it to be money. I mean, on level with me, friend. What's the driving force of my life? Well, it looks like Charlie's after money, man. It's like you can do anything for money. It's like you get break this commitment, do that, go over here, stop this, do that. It's like you're like the money's the driving force. Looks like fame, people clapping for you. That's that's the driving force of your life. I don't want that to be their answer. <laughs> I want them to say, no brainer. Jesus, His will is the driving force of your life. Helping people, loving others, is the driving force of your life. See, if you can identify the driving force of your life, you can see what purpose you're involved with. And the purpose you want to be in, how did I get down here? <laughs> Was I translated? <laughs> I got caught up in the anointing. Poof! Translated to the floor. <laughs> I vaguely remember walking down there. <laughs> Come on, we... We know we're here because God wanted a family. But now what does he want me to do in the family? Turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. So I started asking myself, okay, I know I'm here because God wanted me here. All right, as you're turning to 1 Corinthians 12, there's three things that God purposes for everybody's life on this planet. And in order are these three things. Number one, if you want to know if you're fulfilling your purpose, you need to know these three things. Number one, it is God's plan and purpose that you are saved and no longer on the road Adam put you on. It is God's plan and it all starts here. See, it, it started with him wanting a family, but then sin and Satan messed up the family of God. And Jesus came back to put the family together again. So we need to get back to square one, which was God's original plan. Be by my side, be in my family forever. I love you and I'm pleased with you. That was severed when Adam messed up. But now we can be born again, back in the family. So number one, since the fall of man, number one, the plan and purpose of God for every person's life is receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so you can be saved. Born again, back in the family. No man pluck you out. That's, if you don't have that, you don't have anything. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Jesus asked that question and he expects us to answer it. Anybody know the answer to what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Zippo. So if you don't get this down, nothing else matters. But what if you're saved? There's another step. Now, if you're saved and you've made Jesus the Lord of your life by accepting him in your heart, saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe God raised you from the dead. If you're saved, number two, it is God's plan and purpose that every saved person live a spirit-filled life, not have a spirit-filled experience five years ago. Most of the church stops with saved. 
the early church didn't stop with saved. We're part of the same church. We don't stop with saved. Do you know when you're filled with the Spirit, it's way easier to be the Christian God wants you to be. It's very difficult to be the Christian God wants you to be without the power to be that way. A lot of people have given up on certain parts of Christianity because they don't have the power to fulfill it. So they give up on it, say it was for 2,000 years ago, or say it's for preachers only, not realizing if they would live a spirit-filled life, piece of cake. Piece of cake. Being filled with the Spirit, maintaining, a, and that's not the message right now, but we need to talk a little bit about it. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means asking Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit, believe you receive when you pray, speak in tongues from your heart, and maintain a prayer language of speaking in tongues for the rest of your life. And, and, and then it won't be so hard to go to church when you don't want to. I found out the best way to get people to go to church is help them to want to go to church. <laughs> right? The best way to get people to serve in the church is help them to want to serve in the church. Don't make them, help them to want to. And when you're filled with the Spirit, all your got-tos turn to get-tos. All your have-tos turn to want-tos. And that's why the, the number two purpose of God in our lives is to be filled with the Spirit because He didn't want a preacher always having to scream at you and tell you to do what you should be doing. He'd rather you be filled with the Spirit and want to do those things. Can I get a witness? Might have to get an organ player up here if I don't hear enough amens. So everybody say number two. Be filled with the Spirit. And the third plan and purpose of God for every per person on this planet. We'll get into specifics later, and you'll only get into specifics in your own life as you seek God yourself. But the general plan and purpose of God for everybody on this planet is get saved. Get off the road to hell. It's your choice, not God's choice. Get off the road to hell. It's your choice, not God's choice. Well, I can't believe God's sending people to hell. He gives man a choice. And if man chooses to stay on the road Adam put him on, that's not God sending them to hell. That's them choosing to stay on a road Adam put him on. And don't wait till you figure all this stuff out. Just do what you know to do. Believe what you need to believe and let God take care of all the details. There is faith involved, you know. You're not going to figure it all out. There's faith involved. So number three, get saved, get, live a spirit-filled life. Number three, it is the plan and purpose of God for everybody on this planet to walk in love. And this is something we grow in. And the more we walk in it, the more we grow in it. We say, walk in love. And I have a newsflash for you. The very first characteristic of the love of God is love suffers long. <laughs> right? It's the best way. That's the general purpose of God for everybody on this planet. Get saved, live a spirit-filled life, and walk in love. If you just do those three things, oh my goodness, life will be so much more bright. And so much better. But then there's specific things. Now look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. We all, as believers, have a place in Christ's body. 
Now you, talking to church members, are the body of Christ. What do you mean the body of Christ? That's weird. No, no, listen. And members in particular. He's saying that every born-again Christian has a living, functioning place in Christ's body that we need to be operating in on purpose. Not by whim, on purpose. So obviously, you're going to have to be a little bit open and a little bit uh, sensitive and seeking the Lord about it because it doesn't just happen because you're a believer. Why would the Lord say, seek and ye shall find, if all these things just automatically happened? Find your place in the body. And don't think that any part in the church is inferior. Let's say you're the little toe on the left foot of the body of Christ. Is that a big deal, or is that just a little toe on the left foot of the body of Christ? Well, smash your little toe in the middle of the night as you get up for a drink of water on the end table and tell me if your little toe is important. Or, better yet, just cut it off if you don't need it. I, I advise, don't do that. Don't do what I just said, all right? Disclaim, disclaim. I'm saying, why in the world would we think vacuuming the floor is a small part when without it, we're going to be screaming? Hmm? Paul talks about this, and he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12. This whole chapter talks about all parts of the body are very, very valuable and very, very necessary, and it's your purpose. Come on, man, I feel sorry for people who for years and decades are working on a job, but they're not fulfilling their purpose. Do you know you can work on a job all your life, be sad and gray, and never fulfill your purpose? And if your job is your purpose, you should realize it's your purpose and do it as a purpose of God as opposed to just making money. If you really want to... See, people that don't want to get out of bed, people that are always looking forward to vacations and say, thank God it's Friday, they're obviously haven't found their purpose. Because your purpose, you're wanting to get on with it. Vacations are now just a necessity, not a luxury, so I can be strong to do what I'm purposed to do. So just, just ask, say this question, what, what is the driving force of your life? Why are you doing what you're doing? What, what's motivating you to get out of bed? Why do you have excitement, or if you do have excitement, why do you have joy if you do have joy? If you don't have joy and excitement, maybe you've fallen into what most people have fallen into, and that's just routine work, not at all connected to eternity. When your life on earth, when everything you're doing on earth is connected to eternity, your values are totally different. When you realize that this earth life is the shortest thing you'll ever do, it's, a, it's likened into a mist, it's likened into a vapor, it's likened into just like, you know, so, such a quick thing. Every, like we said last week, we need to make every second count because how, how short this life is. Realize it or not, this whole life right here is training for the next life. This, is, this will help you understand your purpose. You're not here floating around, just going with every wind of whatever. You're here being groomed for something. There is a world to come, and it's amazing. This world came out of that world. We are in training for reigning. 
with our Lord. Tests come to us every day on this planet. How we respond determines certain things in the next life. This is going to help you live every day on purpose. Realize, all right, tests are coming my way today to prove, am I faithful to God or am I not faithful to God? Am I, am I submitted or am I in rebellion? Am I walking in love or am I going to do what I want to do? Every day. This makes, actually makes life exciting to realize, I'm going to pass some more tests today. I'm going to prove my love for God some more today. I'm going to prove my faith in God some more today. Will I be tested? Yeah, but might as well look at it as an okay thing because it's life right now. Um, let me read you a couple of things here. In the life of eternity, excuse me, in the light of eternity, your values will change. When you're living in the light of eternity. Things are different when you realize how short this life is. We talked about that last week. Our life is, what is your life? Great question, James. Number one, it's a vapor. It's the shortest thing you'll ever do. So make every second count. Find out what you're supposed to do. Pray. Seek the Lord. Don't just go with the flow. Hear from God yourself. Listen in church. Don't just do your duty. Listen. Hear what God's saying through your pastor, your preacher. Take notes. We'll hear the archives later. Do whatever you got to do. Retain. Listen. To, hear from God. Find out. Why are you here? What are you doing? Where are you supposed to be going? Do you realize that if we follow the perfect will of God for our life, we will miss tons of adversity? I call it unnecessary adversity. How many want to miss unnecessary adversity? Then don't be on the road where it is. Amen. Be on God's road for your life. Now, I'm going to share something with you. I didn't share in the early service or last week, and it comes out of the book Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. Brother Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father in the Lord, who's in heaven now, had a visitation of the Lord in 1987. It wasn't his first visitation. It was his last, actually. And Jesus, in the middle of the night, appeared to him and brought him up above the Tulsa Convention Center and showed him some meetings coming up in the future and said some areas of correction that the church needed in these days and how we'd substituted brass for gold and things look great at a distance, but when you get closer, you realize it wasn't true worship. It was just flesh and all this stuff. And he wrote a book called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And in this book, in one of the first chapters, he's talking about what he's been, he was praying out at two in the morning. He's up at two in the morning praying plans, purposes, and he'd be praying in tongues. And he'd say the words plans and purposes, and he'd be praying in tongues and just still not quite there. Plans, purposes. Then he heard the Spirit of God say, and pursuits. And when he heard that last word and said pursuits, he was in the Spirit and he had a vision of the Lord. Took him above the Tulsa Convention that showed him things in the Spirit realm about the future in just a week or two from then at his camp meeting coming up. And he said, well, Lord, man, if you would have appeared to me earlier, I could have advertised this and had a packed house. And Jesus said, I don't want looky lures coming to this meeting. I want people who are led by my spirit coming to this meeting. I didn't want you to advertise. And I appeared to you now because if I would have done it before, you would have advertised it. And I didn't want a bunch of looky loos in the meeting. Just always running after the spectacular. I want my people there who are led to be there. And then the Lord said, he started sharing some things with Brother Hagin, and he said some very astounding things. He said, quote, Jesus said, a lot of my people have good plans, thoroughly scriptural, that I never told them to do. And they get messed up. You still got to pray over the scriptures. You still got to pray about timing. 
you still got to pray and seek the Lord. You can't just jump. You got to spend time with God and make sure it's not just good, not just you have a couple of scriptures, make sure it's those scriptures for you right now in your life. Now, all scriptures are for us, don't get me wrong, but there's certain things that you have to hear from God. There, there's 500 ways you can go right now in the Bible. Which ways God wants you to go right now? When I say ways, I'm talking about ideas and things other people did. And then there's a scripture that says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. That simply means this. You're going to work extra hard, a lot harder than you have to, if the Lord's not in it. And you might even get it done, but you'll stand back and have a gray feeling about the whole thing. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You may have got it built, but there's still something off. You don't have the peace. You don't have the contentment. You don't have the joy. So make sure before you make any major decisions that the Lord's in it. How do you make sure the Lord's in it? You're going to have to take time like anybody and everybody. Pray. Seek the Lord. When you think you're ready, wait a little longer, right? Pray. Make sure the timing's right. Seek the Lord. Why? But pastor, it's taken me three days and I still haven't got, well, better than 30 years of a mess later because you made the wrong decision. Now three days doesn't look so long anymore. So let me say a few more things here. This life right here is preparation for the next. So keep that in, my, in mind when you're talk, thinking about your purpose. A man named Matthew Henry said these words. I want you to connect all this to your purpose. He said it ought to be the business of every day to prepare for the final day. How many want to be prepared for the final day? Anybody want to be ready for the final day? You know, not just get there and go, oh man, I wish I would have done this. Oh, I don't feel like I'm strong. Enough. Oh, I'm afraid of this. Oh, how many want to be prepared for the final day? It matters how you live every day. Keep your purpose in mind and what God has for you. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 17 out of the NLT translation. If you don't have that translation, just look up on the screen. It's the New Living Translation. 1 John 2, 17. We read this in the early service. I want you to see it in this service. John said to us as Christians, this world is fading away. Can you see that? It's actually groaning and travailing. This world is falling apart. There's no save the planet. Ain't going to happen. The only thing that's going to save the planet is when Jesus comes back. Right? And everything melts with fervent heat and everything's you know, built back up on this earth like it's supposed to be. All the sin's going to be dissolved. But right now, it's groaning. Um, but you say, well, Pastor, don't you think we should be concerned about global warming? Why, when the Bible talks about global melting? Yeah. It's inevitable. <laughs> okay. So the world's fading away along with everything that people crave. So how involved should we be in these cravings and these things and all this stuff in the earth realm? Um, actually, I was going to say something to you um, that I thought was very, very interesting. I don't think I have it on my notes. Um, so the world is passing away. This scripture says fading away. And everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God. 
will live forever. See, we're talking about doing what the Lord wants us to do, which is our purpose for being. Um, Isaiah chapter 26, and if you guys would look at this out of the Good News translation, um, I have it in the uh, today's English version, but it's very, very similar. Isaiah 26, 3. I want to look at the good news. So notice what the prophet said. You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. So this is why we need to find out what our purpose is so we can keep it firm and not be pushed away from it or distracted from it. Or like last week in Ezra where it said the enemy frustrated Israel's purpose and they stopped building the temple. The devil wants to frustrate our purpose, get us sidetracked into this, pushed off in the side into that. No, 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 no. We're going to hold firm to our purpose, right? Um, come on, even if we got to wear masks, we're going to still... We're going to still assemble together like we're told, right? We're going to still worship God. We're going to still have altar calls. We're still going to get saved. We're still going to fellowship, right? We're still, it, it can't, it, this can't mess up your purpose, guys. Don't let this mask thing mess up your purpose. It's just a mask. It's very, very temporary. And besides that, if you have any problem breathing with it at all, take it off. They want you to take it off. Don't worry about it. It's not a, it's not a bondage thing. It's a mask. There is a virus, and some people are being hurt from it. And even though we see maybe there's other things we could be doing other than wear a mask, whatever, but, but don't let it mess up your purpose. Please, don't let it mess up your purpose. I don't know, maybe Paul has some light or revelation of the future when he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, knowing that there'd be some things that would try to come up in the last days that would try to keep us from assembling together. You know, um, Carla said something, um, you, you wrote something, I believe we sent it out in the email, about um, how, what was it, Carla? You said something, what was that? You know what I'm thinking right now? It was about the whole mask mandate. <laughs> Lady Carla, um, it, it was, my dear wife, help me. <laughs> Read my mind. <laughs> You said something about um, HIPAA, I think it was, or the HIPAA law, or whatever it was, something about, um, I don't know if it was the health thing. I mean, if, it, if wearing a mask causes health problems, they, don't, they say take it off. That's perfectly fine. Or if you have health problems, you don't need to wear a mask. CDC says if you even have troubles breathing with it. Right, even if you have troubles breathing with it, you know, take it off. Um, that wasn't exactly what I wanted. Maybe they'll come back to me, but um, we can't let an ordinance like this mess with our purpose. Our purpose is to, to assemble together. Well, you know, online is part of it too. I know that. Our, our purpose is to, to assemble. And, oh, I know what it was. Um, there is, there has been talk of, and there has actually happened where some businesses have been shut down and their business license has been pulled because they didn't have the requiring mask sign out in front or whatever. Well, I think it would be a very sad day 
if the government tried to shut us down because we decided we didn't want to wear masks. I'd rather wear a mask, have altar calls, get people saved, worship God, pray for the sick, minister the word. Are you following me? And I'd rather have that than to have somebody say, well, we're pulling your, your 501c3 papers, your tax-exempt papers. We're going to mess with your corporation here as a church. I don't want that to happen. I will, I, but again, though, there's a line you draw. If they say, stop being a Christian, sorry, I'm going to still be a Christian. They say, give me your Bible, I'm going to say, no. <laughs> right? They say, give me your kids, I'm going to say, get off my yard. <laughs> right? Right? I can't believe some people are comparing the mass thing to, to what happened in uh, uh, the Nazis when they brought children and put them on a train. Whole different universe, guys. Well, they, they took the little children and put them on a train and, and, the, and the parents said, well, you know, we just, we just submit to leaders. No, you don't, not then. Now go take my kids. They're staying right here. Wearing a mask, that's one thing. Taking my kids, whole different universe. Don't compare this to that. Don't compare this to that. We're not ignorant. We're not going to get sucked into something. We pray in the Holy Ghost. We have prayer meetings. We read the Bible. We know where to draw the line. And this is not where we should draw the line. It's actually a test. And it's revealing some things about our heart. It's not a test from God. But we're, be test, we're being tested in the middle of it. Are we going to submit to an ordinance of man for the Lord's sake? Or are we not? We're being watched, guys. It's not causing rebellion, but it may be showing up some. Hmm? Remember, tests in life do two things. They develop character and they reveal character. Can I, can I be honest with you? Because I was going to lie, you know. <laughs> can I be honest? I was in rebellion. I was in rebellion. Until I read these scriptures prayerfully. The ones we read at first. I was in rebellion. Pastor, what are you doing? I'm confessing my faults to one another because I don't want to stay in that mess. I was in rebellion. I did some calling, and I talked with Mike Kennedy and somebody with Keith Moore's ministry, talked to some friends and, and boys. I'm not just on my own praying and seeking God. I, I, I believe in reaching out and getting help and counsel from other places, too. And I, I, I saw this scripture, and it became so simple to me. Submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. I thought, all right, I don't want to do it. I'm going to submit to it for your sake, Lord. And a big peace came over me, realizing, you know what? I, I, I can be told what to do. I'm not so free that I can't take orders. Jesus is Lord. I mean, hey, life is about correction. Life is about being, you know, developed. Life is about growing up. It's not, I mean, I'd be surprised if we were all there. <laughs> if we're all there, then what else do we got to learn? Let's just die and go to heaven and, you know, be God. Sure is quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> All right, let me read a couple more things and I will, I will loose you from your cage. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, when you realize that life is a test and a part of your purpose, 
you realize that nothing is insignificant in your life. It's all a test. When you realize that life is a test and a part of your purpose, you realize that nothing is insignificant in your life. You know, the Lord even warned us more than once through Paul. He said, yes, you're free, but don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. I personally think it's very, very wrong to tell somebody who's not wearing a mask, you just don't love. <laughs> That's just icky. <laughs> Somebody's transcribing this. How are they going to write icky? <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong for somebody who is wearing a mask to tell somebody who's not wearing a mask, you just don't love your brothers and you just don't love your sisters. That's judgment because you don't know their heart. It may be a health reason. Maybe they're having a hard time breathing. Maybe they don't know what you know. Maybe they don't see what you see. But then I think it's wrong on the other end for those that don't want to wear a mask to say you're caving into the dark side if you wear a mask. That's judgment. That's judgment. That's wrong. And that's what the devil wants. The devil has succeeded to a large degree in dividing our country. Because he knows a kingdom divided against itself will fall flat on its face. And the devil said, that's not all I want to divide. I want to divide God's church. I can't go up in heaven and punch him, so I'm going to hurt his kids. I'm going to get him fussing and fighting over this mask issue. How about you just wear one if you want to and feel left? And, and if, you, if you have a reason to don't, it's, that's up to you. We're not enforcing anybody. We require it if you're well and healthy and all right. We expect some respect in that area. But if it's messing with your health or something, that's between you, your health, and the Lord. And the governor. <laughs> so, I don't like our governor. Well, pray for him. He'll get better if you pray for him. <laughs> He'll actually get better if you pray for him. He will. Or a better one will take his place. One way or another, our prayers work for our leaders. Everybody say one way or another. Well, I think that's probably good. I can see on the looks of our faces here that, that we've probably had enough. Let me read you one last scripture, NLT. I'll read this, I'll read this and then you guys can leave with this and rejoice. Um, how can I bring glory to God? See, bringing glory to the Father, pleasing Him is our purpose. Right? How can we bring glory to the Lord? Well, I want you to read this in closing, John 17, 4. And this is Jesus talking in the New Living Translation, NLT, John 17, 4. Jesus said, Father, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. One translation says, I brought glory to you here on the earth by doing everything you told me to do. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 